Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. So the theme for our month has been establishing conscious community, and I think that that was an unconscious theme or a conscious theme or behind the, a, a sacred covenant for CBEC to establish a conscious community. And today's talk title is We Are Family. But uh, all the staff and, and a lot of the people who have been around the, the center for a long time, we affectionately call this Sunday, Seebeck Sunday, because everybody comes, comes back with a little bit of a buzz. Uh, um, I think a healthy one. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, we all have God vibes and good vibes, and, um, and that was cultivated all week, and they, they kind of stay with you for a while. And because it was Seebeck, and, and we were playing more and laughing more and, and having more fun, I thought I would tell a joke. And I don't tell jokes very often. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm funny, but usually, like, you're weird, Kathy Ann. But anyway, I thought I'd tell a joke just sort of in the honor of Seebeck. I don't tell them often, so this is the one. This year, this is the one. So, a German shepherd and a Doberman pincher and a cat went to heaven. And they came upon the throne of God. And God said to the German shepherd, tell me about your life on earth. And the German shepherd said, well, I was a good playmate to the kids, I protected my family, and I tried really hard to only shed in one spot of the house. And God said, oh, you can sit on my left hand. And then God said to the Doberman Pinscher, so tell me about your life on earth. And Doberman Pinscher said, I protected a warehouse, and I made sure nobody got in when they weren't supposed to, and therefore I saved the owner lots of money, nobody stole anything. When I was there, nobody got in. I, I, you could depend on me. And God said, oh, you shall sit on my right hand. And then he said to the cat, so tell me about your life on earth. And the cat said, you're on my seat. <laughs> so... I want to tell a, a not-so-funny Seebeck uh, story. I have a lot of Seebeck stories, but there's actually two that stand out over the 32 years I've probably been there. I've had good times, and I can remember uh, pranks. How many were around with Prankville? Some of you were around for Prankville. Oh, you were really around for Prankville. <laughs> oh. So we used to have a statement, don't look Janet Garvey Stanvik in the eyes. Because if you looked her in the eyes, she had you. And she would do strange and bizarre things to you, like dress you up. Huh, Joel. Joel. We kept saying, Joel, don't just look at her anyway. And then all I, w- I would go to bed early and wake up in the morning and hear about what had happened all night. Ooh, baby. That was, that was then. But that's not, those were funny. But I, there's two things that really struck me, struck me, struck me. And um, the first happened in the late 80s. 
late 80s. Um, Seattle was being, well, maybe mid-80s, about 86, 87. Um, Seattle was being really ravaged by AIDS, and people were afraid of other people, not quite knowing how that darn thing was spreading yet. And so all sorts of weird theories. And a young man, of course, he was cute and wiry, and his name was uh, Danny Ryan. Who remembers Danny Ryan? One person remembers Danny Ryan. Danny Ryan is, is one of those men who, I remember at church he said, when we were trying to share our, our whatever, you know, what's your story, who are you? And Danny Ryan got up and he said, you know, it's easier to say I'm a gay man than to say I go to church. It's easier to say I'm gay than spiritual. And I think that's probably still true for some of us. Some of us still don't want to come out that there's a part of us that yearns for a connection to something greater than ourselves. You know, we're cool. I'm, that's not a judgment. That's just like I, he was saying something I think still lives. But anyway, Danny Ryan was at Seabeck. And, and I have to tell you that we don't do this anymore, but we used to have a dance on Friday night on the tennis courts. And we put big speakers up and played loud music. We, the neighbors complained so long that we finally had to stop that because the sound would carry across the water to the hills that live, the people that lived on the other hill. I mean, it was loud. And we were having so much fun. We did turn it off at 11. We were very conscientious. So we're having this dance, and it's great fun. And I saw Danny Ryan go over to George Gregory. Now, George Gregory is about as straight a guy, macho, only not that quite macho man. I just realized I'm singing the wrong song. But anyway, uh, <laughs> George was a straight, macho, landscaper kind of guy. And Danny goes over to him and asks him to dance. And they, and George took a deep breath and took Danny's hand and they walked out into the middle of the uh, tennis court and started dancing. And I thought, that's what heaven's like. A few years later, I wanted to expand upon that. I, I, that. That is what I wanted all of Seebeck to be like. Because Seebeck seemed to be factions. There was the night crowd, people who only go to Seebeck to do nightlife with Janet. You're laughing because you know that. And then there were others who were just the serious studiers. And then there are the ones who just wanted to have somebody cook for them. 
And what I wanted to do was kind of weave us all together. And I remember one CBEC thinking we had finally accomplished that. It's not that people changed, but they started to weave those things together so that there wasn't four or five different groups at camp at the same time. It was like we were one group with different interests. And I felt so complete. I, I mean, it's like I had, oh my goodness, I've accomplished this. I, am, this is, I feel so complete that I was sitting on the lawn, I remember it so clearly, sitting on the lawn with uh, Eric Desodell, who was the music director at the time, and I said, Eric, if I don't make it home, it's because I'm complete. I mean, so have you ever felt like that? I, I mean, that was the only time I've ever felt like I have accomplished maybe what I've even ever wanted to accomplish, which is where people came together. And I uh, didn't die on my way home. <laughs> I'm still here. So I guess there's still more to do. Uh, but it felt good. So I have a new ambition. Uh, my new ambition is to create CBEC consciousness at the Center for Spiritual Living all year long. And, and I uh, also recognize that that might be a little tough because it's easier when you can get people together. It's easier when someone cooks. And, and even though there was the euphoria of, wow, this was great, and then there's sort of this after buzz. I also know that it's like a vacation. You go away on vacation, you finally feel relaxed, and you stay relaxed for about a week, and then all of a sudden, life happens. And the energy goes up again. Or in this case, the energy might come down again. I just know that once we re-enter, it's harder to, to cultivate that experience. But you know, well, why not? You have to aim for something. Right? So I'm aiming for us to have the experience of belonging. And this is what Brene Brown says about belonging. By the way, I've been quoting from two Brene Brown books, uh, uh, Abigail, Reverends Abigail and Deborah uh, did the morning workshops on one of her books. And this comes from one of her first books, which is The Gifts of Imperfection. And she wrote, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than ourselves. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval which not is not only a hollow substitute for belonging, but often creates a barrier to actual belonging. This is not the place where you fake it till you make it. True belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. And our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. So we're not perfect and we accept it. So I am as God created me, in the light and the love and the glory, and I am a hot mess at this moment. I am as God created me, in the light and the love and the glory, and I'm afraid to show up because I'm afraid what you'll think of me. And what does the general group think? And so I'll go with the group. And so there's no outliers. 
And yet we can look at other groups and we go, wow, that, look, at that, look at that group consciousness, you know? How many of you have ever looked at other groups and said, wow, they're not thinking for themselves? Nobody? Just a few? I watched folks talk about fitting in, but what was so authentic about it is that they were actually talking about fitting in. That's authentic. They weren't trying to fit in. They're talking about how do I fit in, and I'm not sure I do forget, forget, fit in. Because in the evening, about 4.30 to 5.30 or so, we would have meaningful conversations, and people would just share where they are at the time. And one, I remember one woman saying, you know, I don't share. I was in this type of uh, profession, and it's, you just don't share. I just don't share. But she kept showing up. Another woman said, I don't feel comfortable sharing. I got, I've created a bubble of, of, of safety, and I'm not going to share. But they shared that they weren't going to share, which is authentic. You know, truth heals, truth heals. And truth, you know, I had a, a conversation with one of my ministerial friends when she, she spouted something about truth, and I'm like, truth is usually subjective. You know what truth is for most people? Truth is just what you believe. You believe it because it's true. Well, we believe so many things in the world, there's a lot of truth running around. So don't go shoving any capital T truth in my face because honestly, I don't know what true is, but I know what's true for me. And when we know what's true for ourselves, and we speak from that truth, something breaks open. Because by the end of the week, the woman who didn't want to share was sharing. And the woman who had a bubble discovered a way out of the bubble. Because they were being authentic. And they were just moving forward. <laughs> One of the things I think that uh, keeps us separate and um, unwilling To go across the dance floor and ask someone else to dance is judgment. Judgment of ourselves and judgment of others. Now we can be real spiritual and call it something else. Like I'm just evaluating that your behavior isn't appropriate. But, um, <laughs> or I'm evaluating that you could be do it different. You really, I'm not going to say you should be different, but. Anyway, um, judgment, judgment gets in the way of everything. And I, I realize that, us, if we, especially for ourselves, we judge. And self, a lot of books have been written on self-esteem, and I think it's been overvalued. And um, overwritten about. Because esteem can often be... be um, Attached to what I've done or what I've overcome or, or who I'm making myself believe I am. Whereas there's another word that I want to throw out and which is just self-compassion. Just being compassionate with ourselves as we are in the process of discovering more and more and more of who we are in the light and the love and the glory. Because we were made and out of the light and the love and the glory. And then we put, took human form and we have human foibles. We will be limited in so many different ways. But as we accept that and we um, uh, just talk about it like I have a prejudice. That truth 
I think opens us up to not have a prejudice. I think I hear the music of heavens. <laughs> Instead of, of um, trying to make ourselves good enough to move into a group, we take ourselves, we have compassion for ourselves, and we take ourselves into the group and compassionately for ourselves just say, This is where I am in the group. This book that I'm talking about, which is um, The Gifts of Imperfection, Letting Go of Who You're Supposed to Be and Embracing Who You Are, which I think is a, would be a great book for, to study as a sangha. If anybody's in a sangha or forming a sangha, we want to form more sanghas. It might be a great book because there's just all these wonderful little things that you can do to just start really embracing who you are in the moment. But getting back to let's do some ancient wisdom because I'm still... Um, a minister and I want to talk about spiritual principles is this is re regarding that, uh, that connection that happens when we are um, together and that need for belonging that there's Brene Brown has studied it and what she found is that people actually need to belong and one of the things that gives us the most resilience this is also part of her study when she studied a lot of people the thing that gave people resilience for getting over their stuff and being able to be authentic in a group is spirituality. That resilient people, no matter what their, no matter what their religious background was, and sometimes they didn't even attribute it to religion, but when they had a belief in something greater than themselves, they had the resilience to go through the things that they were going through. So I'll just throw that out there. That was a freebie. So let's go back to belonging. We need, the, we need to, to love ourselves, even though we're imperfect. How many of you know you're imperfect? Yay. And you're still made out of the light, the love, and the glory. And maybe one of the wonderful things is that it comes in an imperfect pa package so that we'd all be unique. If we were all perfect, perfect, if there was a definition of perfect and we all came out that way, why would we need diversity? I mean, why would we need to be different? How boring. It's like looking at all the t-shirts. You know, we started with a basic pattern and look how everybody made their t-shirts different. It's so fun. Now, here's the thing with belonging. We need to love the imperfections of our chosen community members as well. We need to love the imperfections of our chosen community members well. Because communities consist of people. And people are imperfect. I'm not saying put up with abuse. I'm not saying let somebody walk all over you. I'm not saying fall for a pyramid scheme. What I'm saying is know that everyone is made in the light and the love and the glory of God. And everyone is developing that ability to live from that place. See, we're all growing, evolving. And using our imperfections as a catalyst for more spiritual growth. And because 
others can be a mirror for our own spiritual growth, as we grow, we will be bothered less and less by others. They will just, it's not that we don't notice unskilled behavior. It doesn't mean that we don't notice microaggressions. It doesn't mean that we don't notice uh, that they talk too much about one thing or another. But it just bothers us less. And it will bother us less to say, hey, don't do that. How many of you have been around someone? I, I, was, I, I was at dinner with someone, and I finally just had to say, I can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> and, and, and they're not wrong, and I'm not wrong. But if I wanted to fit in, I might have listened. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like we've got to, in a community, we love each other through the growth process, whether it's ourselves or others. We love each other through it. Um, it's like being at a gym. We all see that we're working out as much as we can and we're all using different uh, pieces of equipment and all having different results, but as long as everybody shows up at the gym, everybody's going to get stronger and healthier. I had um, an opportunity to prove that to myself because someone said something to me that I don't think they knew it sounded like such a backhanded compliment. I, you know, I know that they meant it out of love because I know who they are and they have a great heart, but it really sounded like, I'm so grateful you're not the selfish bitch you used to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I licked that wound for a while. And, uh, and, you know, but I've said things I wish I hadn't ever said. And it wasn't out of, uh, out of anything other than I just put the words together incorrectly and wrong and not skilled. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you would like to take back a thing or two? You know, so why would I want to hold fault to somebody that's like, you know what? They don't know how that landed. They don't know how that landed. And so, it took, you know, I had, went through all the things. Do I talk? Blah, blah. And it's like, no. I know their heart. I know who they are. I can... Uh, I'm going to be more careful with my words. I'm going, to be, I'm going to really try to make sure that I say things in such a way that it, that it is always enhancing someone's experience. And that, you know what? I'm flawed and I will fail. I will freaking fail. I, because I can't wait to be perfect to show up and be authentic. That would be a very long wait. But yet people do because they want to fit in. And, you know, I, I, I don't know about how to do this, but I'll give you a practice, and that is that we played, played this game in the evening, which is, it was, it was during the evening meditation, and we started working with God as me is. 
So God as me is patient. God as me is understanding. God as me is a better communicator every day. God as me is my communication. And then as I know that for others, I can know that for, and God as blank is growing in their communication. God as blank is loving. God as blank is healthy. God as blank is uh, evolving. Do you see that? So because all of us are the same. You know, like we started out with the same t-shirt and everybody decorated. We came in with the same spiritual DNA. There's only one life. And that life is God's life. And that life is perfect. And that life is my life and your life and our life now. And then we decorated it. And some people are going to bring out the greens and blues. And some people are bringing out the purples and oranges. And some people are going to bring out who knows what. I don't know how how they do that. But it's going to be beautiful. And we're going to either like the t-shirt or think it should be improved. I could improve that t-shirt. But there's only one life. So it's, it's, you know, I'm seeing division. Like we're at the dance floor and there's this group and there's this group. Not only in our, in our center, but at Seabeck. And so here's, here's my new thing. This is my new thing. This is my, my, new, my new vision for our community is the dance floor or the dance, it wasn't a floor, uh, the dance on the tennis courts. See, we have people who are vaccinated, and they're very happy about it. And there's people who are not vaccinated, and hopefully they're happy about it. But I notice that people that are vaccinated and people that aren't vaccinated aren't talking together. I notice that There are people in our community that vote for some people. And there are people in our community that vote for other people. But we don't talk. We're not authentic. We take our camps. And we talk about why others would be that way. That's not the way of heaven. That's the way of a freaking cat. You're on my my throne. That's not heaven. You know, my, that, what, my vision of this community is Danny Gad and George Gregory. That we would walk across an empty spot and say, I don't do what you do. Tell me, what's in your mind when you do that? I want to know. I want to understand. And we dance together. Wouldn't have to change my mind. I'm not trying to change your mind, but it hurts too much to not belong. It hurts. And camps with solid opinions about how it should be does not build community. And so it is.